Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. Does anybody have trouble with names, like remembering people's names or you meet someone? Or I'm terrible at this. Um, remember one of my first uh, ministry events as a pastor, I used to work as a, as a youth pastor, and we had an event at a soccer field, I think we were playing Ultimate Frisbee, and this young man comes, he was brand new, and I wanted to introduce myself, so I go, hello, my name is, is Mike, and he, he looks at me and he, he says, hello, my name is Taiwa, and I was like, wait, did, I, I don't know if I, I heard that right, I said, Taiwa? And he goes, no, my name's Taiwa, and I was like, I, something's not registering here, I said, I got closer to him, you know, like I, maybe I would, I was like, Taiwa? And he goes, no, my name is Taiwa. At this point, I see my wife who's standing right there behind me, and she is like red as a tomato, looking at me, she goes, his name is Tyler. And he looks at me, he goes, my name is Taiwa, I can't pronounce my Oz. And I said, oh, Tyler. I felt so embarrassed that I kept, this guy had a, 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 a speech delay, and, uh, and I kept making him trying to pronounce his name. I felt terrible. I am terrible and awful with names. And it goes to show for any of us, especially for those that you know, if you were to call somebody by their wrong name, they're going to want it corrected. My name is Mike, and, and so that's what I want you to, to call me. My, my son's name is Jeremiah, not Jerry. If we wanted him to be called Jerry, we would have named him Jerry. Same with Charlie. People are like, is his name Charles? No, it's Charlie. If we wanted him to be named Charles, we would have called him. Anyway, that's just a whole other thing. We want our names called uh, correctly. But what about God? What name do we call God? How, how would we reference him? Because God has a name. And God wants his name uh, to be referenced correctly. And it's not so much, as we'll see, it's not so much how we speak his name. Because as a little kid, I thought for the longest time that God's name was Art. Like, you'd, I'm from the Midwest, and so you'd get around the, 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 the dinner table, and it's like, Our Father who art in heaven, Our Father art in heaven. And we're like, who is Art? And what is he doing in heaven and with God? And, and, and I, I thought that was his name for a while. Well, God has a name, and we'll see that it's, it's not necessarily what, uh, we, what he speaks. In fact, Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, he meets God at a burning bush. If you've, if you've heard that story before, God's uh, on the mountain. He meets Moses at a, at a burning bush. And he calls Moses, says, Moses, you're going to be the one, you're the chosen one to go down to Egypt and you're going to deliver my people, Israel, out of, the, out of Egypt, out of slavery, into freedom, into the promised land, I'm calling you. And Moses is kind of going through this back and forth with God. And so he says, okay, God, who are you? What is your name? When I go back to Egypt and I tell them, hey, we're going to go by what name? Do I tell them that sent me? And, and God says, hello, my name is. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. He doesn't fill in the blank. It's like, I am this. It's just God is everything and everywhere and, and everyone that he needs to be at every moment. 
He just, he just like, you fill in the blank, that's what I am. Tell him I am has sent you. When Moses uh, first met God there, he got a taste of who God was because he approached God. And as he approached God, God said, whoa, 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 dude. This is holy ground. This is sacred ground that you're approaching. Take your, take your shoes off, man, because you're approaching a holy and mighty God. And it says when Moses did that, it says that he covered his face and fell to the ground because he got a taste of God. I don't know if you in your life have ever had that encounter with God. You've had a taste where God just became real to you. I remember it was August of 2003. I was a, a 22-year-old drunk college student coming out of college, living my own way, doing my own thing. And it was in the middle of the night. I knew what was right and wrong, but I was living for my kingdom, not his. And he got a hold of me in the middle of the night. And, and, and I, he didn't, I didn't hear anything, but I encountered, I got a taste of God. And he definitely spoke to me. He said, Mike, what are you fighting for? And, and out of that, there was a fear. There was an awe because I, I could just sense the real presence of God. Yet at the same time, there was this complete peace and joy knowing I'm fighting for, what am I fighting for? I'm fighting for my kingdom, and I'm tired of fighting for my kingdom. And that night, I, I just, I gave it over to him, and, and ever since, it's been wanting to know, God, who are you? What is your name? I want to live my life for your kingdom, and I fight every day, and you and I fight every day to see what, who is this God that we're serving? And Moses, even though he has this encounter with God, he, he naturally went where we go because God says, you're going to go do these great things. I have this plan for you. You're going to help the nation of Israel get out of slavery. They've been there for 400 years. And even though he got a taste of God, if you see in chapter 4, Moses' response focuses back on himself. He says, but Moses says to the Lord in verse 10 of chapter 4, Oh, my Lord, say this next phrase with me. I am not eloquent, either in past or since you have spoken to your servant. But, say this again, I am slow of speech and of tongue. He's saying, hello, my name is God. That's just who I am. This is who I've been. I, I, I can't do these things. And he, he, he goes into this. In a mode, it's actually kind of self-hate. Because that's just who I am. Focuses in on ourselves. Focuses in on our insecurities. Focuses in on our, our weaknesses, where we are unqualified. Well, I'm, I'm bitter. That's just who I am. I'm a loud mouth. That's just who I am. I'm stupid. That's, that's just who I am. I, I can't excel. I can't, I can't, God, I know you call me to do these great things, but I'm down here, man. I can't really uh, live this thing out for you because no way. Look who I am. And we will settle in that. And God, God, if you watch this back and forth between Moses and God, God's like, who told you that, man? Who told you these things? Because I'm telling you, if you follow me, this is what's going to happen. In many cases for you and I, when we focus on that's just who I am, and we settle there, we settle for lower standards, one, we're going to miss out on the promises that God has for us, but we will, we will get so wrapped up in these things 
And we'll, we'll miss the blessing of God. And in fact, it angers God because that's what happens next. It says, it says that, um, but Moses pleaded again in verse 13. Lord, please send anyone else. Anyone else. And then the Lord became angry with Moses. Now, if you read the rest of the story, his brother Aaron comes and he says, okay, fine. Aaron, he's good at speech and he'll help you out. You want to frustrate God like Moses. Claim to know him. Like claim Christianity. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a baby Christ. Claim to know his name. But don't give your all. Claim to know him. But just stay right where you're at because that's just who you are. Like at this church, we, we say, hey, we are here to help people take the next step in the relationship with Jesus together. That means there's a next step for us to take. And once we take that next step, there's another step for us to take. You want to frustrate God? You want to, you want to frustrate him? Just stay where you're at. Claim to know him. Claim, you know, and, and, but never do anything about it. Just settle for that's who I am. And, and the natural progression of that, the natural progression of, of, of settling, focusing on your insecurities, focusing in on how you are unqualified, will, will keep you in a place of comfort to where you never, like that. what God called Moses to do was going to push him way beyond his comfort zone. Way, he was unqualified to do that, but God's saying, I'm with you, I am with you, I am with you, and that's your qualification. Your foundation for your life, your foundation for your for your name, for your identity, is not in who you are. That's just who I am. That's just who I am. God's saying, no, this is who I am. Use that as your foundation. That is who your identity is built upon. That is who I am. And yes, these things here, we will use these for good. We will actually use those to show people who I am, if you're willing to let go of those things and move on. But if we stay, if we stay in this area of, of that's who I am, we'll be in a level of comfort. And the natural progression of that is that this will be a routine. That we will just approach God as he's just some, some ca casual thing. And our worship will become routine and we will just go through the motions. I want to I wanna kind of skip over to Malachi because there's a, that's the last book in the, in the Old Testament, and there's, a, in a sense, the church, um, the, the people of that, of that time in Malachi, about 400 years before Jesus um, was coming, they were mailing it in when it came to worship. And he says in chapter 1, God says through the, through the prophet Malachi, he says, you are showing contempt for my name. This is where this leads. If we don't live out fully what God has once, if we just want to settle where we're at, it leads to contempt for his name. They were just mailing it in. Has anyone, you ever gone through the motions on anything? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know in football practice, in high school, in football practice, nothing would frustrate our coaches more than in practice during the week, and they could just see it through our attitude, they could see it through our actions and the way we were talking, that we were just mailing it in. And they had the big picture in mind. They're like, no, we have a game on Friday night. We have, we have victory ahead. This is not going to be an easy thing. And if we're mailing it in here, 
we will not win. We will not have victory here. They could see that how we were worshiping here, how we were practicing here, was not going to get us to where we needed to be come game time. And quite honestly, not only were we going to lose the game, but if you, if you know anything about football, if you're just mailing it in, if you're just going through the motions, you're going to get hurt. Or you're going to get a lot of other people hurt too because it's a team game. And that would frustrate the snot out of our coaches when they would see us mailing it in. And at this church, he says, he says in Malachi, he says, you're showing contempt for my name. And they say, well, how? How are we showing contempt? That's not what they were saying. Take a look at this. He says, when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is with that. Like somehow, someway in their worship, God had become casual to them. They had been hearing for centuries Hey, the Messiah's coming. One day the Messiah's coming. One day the Messiah's coming. Maybe they'd heard it from mom and dad or grandma or grandpa or whatever. They'd come through the generations, and he still hadn't come. He still hadn't come. He still hadn't come. And I think that relates to you and I today because why? We're hearing the, the Messiah's returning. One day Jesus is coming back. The Messiah's returning. The Messiah's returning. We've heard that for all of our lives, but yet it hasn't happened, and we can, we can fall into this routine. And God's looking at their worship, and they're, they're, they're like, oh, well, we have this sheep. He, he just, like, ran into a tree. He's blind. He can't see where he's going. Let's use that one. Or there's one. It's got three legs. Let's use that one for our sacrifices. And, and God's going, are you kidding me? You're kidding. Like, I know what you have. I know how, what you spend on yourself. I know how you live your life. And this is what you're offering me for sacrifice, for worship, your leftovers? Come on, guys. I have here, I got a plate from Leftovers last night. Rita's out of town this weekend. So I have uh, pizza from the boys from Domino's. And uh, I, love, I love some Domino's pizza. But um, sometimes God blesses us with, with stuff, all right, pizza. But he gives us our time. He gives us our finances. He gives us resources. In our, in our lives. And let's just say, let's say that uh, this is our, our finances. I'm going to say, well, I got, a, I got a mortgage to pay. Got a car payment. Got to eat. <laughs> health insurance, got health insurance. Uh, go to the movies. I got that 401k. I said, well, sorry. And we'll go through whatever we want, whatever on our I want this list. And then we'll get here and we'll be like, Oh, good. I got some leftover. Here you go, God. And that's crazy. Because we'll, some of us will approach God like that. What's even crazier is that we have this mindset of God. We have this mindset of the God that we serve that he's like, oh, there is some leftover. And it's even got some green chili. Thank you so much. Like God is begging for our scraps. 
thank you guys. This is so good. This is what the guys in Malachi were doing. They were giving God leftovers. And, and this is what God says. He says, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. He's like, you wouldn't even offer that to another human being. And you think you're going to give that to God and say this is worship of him? You wouldn't give that to another human being. He says, shut the doors. I will not accept your offering. This is intense wording from God. As I've been prepping, this has been some of the harshest, hardest stuff for me to read about God, hardest stuff for me to, to, to like internalize, but then to, to teach as well. Because I love to preach about the unconditional love of God. He is unconditionally loving. He is pursuing you. But not everything is unconditional with him. Half-hearted worship, like it says in, in Revelation, he's like, hey, I wish you were either hot or cold, but this lukewarm stuff is like vomit to me. He uses some intense language. Jesus always got on to the religious people, the people who claimed to know him, but were just mailing it in doing their own thing, focusing in on their kingdom. He goes on to say, he says, but my name, my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. This is how they were treating God and it was showing contempt for his name. He says, like, I don't want my name pronounced wrong. My name will be honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name, for my name is great among the nations. He says, hey, listen, whether you acknowledge it or not, my name is great. Like, nothing's going to stop that. In fact, if you're not going to worship me, there's people around the world that will worship me. I don't know if you've heard about anything that's going on in, in China right now. They're kind of cracking down on some of the churches in China. One of the largest Protestant churches in Beijing got shut down last week because the government was saying, hey, we want to put security cameras in your church service, and they're like, no, we're not going to do that, and then they shut them down. But they also, the pastors, they're like, hey, this has been decades brewing. We've been seeing this coming, and guess what? We don't need a building to worship our Savior. Like, we'll just go to a park somewhere, and we'll worship. You can't stop this thing. He's like, people around the world will worship my name, whether you're going to do it or not. And even in Scripture, it says, if you're not going to do it, the rocks and the hills and the trees will cry out and worship me. Like, his name will be honored, whether you do it or not. One of the things I love about Freedom Church is in the leader meetings that we've been having and in our times when we gather here, but especially when we've been kind of prepping things out, we're still figuring things out. We're, we're like eight or nine months old. We're still nymphing, okay? But we're still figuring things out. The word Holy Spirit has come up so many times. Like, we create a plan, here's a plan, we'll go, but like, if God's not leading in that direction, we don't want to go. Like, we pray about things, and we seek things, and sometimes that takes time, but we are, we are trying to follow God as best as we can, and if he says go a different direction, we want to be free to go that direction. And I love, I love that people are rallying around together to say, we want to follow God, no matter what, because that's worship. God goes on, he goes on, <laughs> he says, I will curse, in chapter 2, verse 2, I will curse the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. You're, you're not worshiping me fully. 
He says, I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from the festival sacrifices, and I will throw you on the manure pile. What? What? This is crazy. This is not me talking, okay? This is God, and I've really struggled with this. Like, you're not going to see our kids... Um, being taught this one. You probably didn't see that one in Sunday school. Like, they're not going to go to Sunday school today and play the game, hey, kids, go get the, the pin the manure on the pastor's face, you know, game. That would be, you, know, you guys are laughing too much on that. I don't like that. But, um, like, this is intense. And I, I, I grew up with angry God. I don't like angry God. This is like this is some of the stuff you read, and this is probably some of the most intense stuff in Scripture about God that I'm like, I really don't like this. I don't understand why, 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 what's going on here. Why would he use such graphic and intense language um, with them? And, and this is the stuff that I, I struggle with. So if you read this and you struggle, you're fine. But as I've been going through this and trying to to decode what were these people doing? What, why, why is God going crazy like this? This is, this is in a nutshell, and you, you'll see here in the next passage, he'll explain it a little bit. But basically, their half-hearted worship, their claim to say, I know him, and we lead other people to know him, but they were giving half-hearted. It was basically saying, all these, all these other people, they can go to hell. I think God has eternity in sight. I think, I think he knows how, how bad hell is. I think he knows how great heaven is. And I think he knows the cost that it was going to take to, to send people to heaven, to get our people in right relationship with him. And he's saying, you're leading people to hell by the way you are acting. You're not giving a correct representation of who I am. Am and I will not stand for that whatsoever. I love everybody way too much for you to, to be a representative of my name and lead people to hell. You're actually doing more damage than good. Shut the doors. It would be better if you would just shut the doors than do what you're doing. He, he says to them, he says, the purpose of my covenant, this is the purpose with the Levites, was to bring life and peace and that is what I gave them. This required reverence, and, greatly re and they greatly revealed me. They stood in awe of my name. They passed on the truth. They told other people about me, the truth, and they, that they received me. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me. They had a relationship with me. They weren't just going through the motions. Living good and righteous lives, and they turned many lives from sin. That's God's heart. Why is he using such graphic language? Why is this such an, an intense thing? Because eternity is at stake. And in this church, in, in, in Malachi, they were sending people the wrong direction. He says, you're leading people away. I came for people to have life and peace, and I don't want anything to do with that. This goes full circle back to Moses. Moses had a taste of God, and he says, uh, I can't, I'm slow of, of speech, I can't do this. And then later on, he's leading the people out towards the promised land. He has an encounter um, where they're in a desperate situation. They need water, and, and God's going to provide it through a miracle. God says to Moses, he says, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch... Speak 
to the rock. And it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Then Moses raised his hand and he struck the rock twice. God said, speak. But he struck it twice. And the water gushed out. Still blessed, still a miracle. Water came. So the entire community and their livestock drank and their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people, you will not lead them in the land I am giving. God's always giving. He's giving them the land. But he says, Moses and Aaron, you're not going to, to lead them. This seems harsh. God, you said, speak, and they, they trusted you, like you still did a miracle, and you struck it. But now, because of this one event, Moses, you're not making it into the promised land. You're going to lead them into, lead them right up to it, but you're not going to go in. Why so harsh, God? That doesn't seem quite just until you start looking at the big picture. What was Moses' original insecurity? That's just who I am. Was related to what? His speech. In years down the road, in a pressure moment, his character is revealed. God said, speak, use your speech on this one. And Moses is still back here. I can't use my mouth. I'm slow to speak. I've always been slow to speak. The insecurity, that's just who I am, rises up again in the leader, Moses. And God says, because he's got big picture in mind, listen, Moses, I love you, but where we are headed into this promised land, I, I can't have an insecure leader here. You're going to get yourself killed, and you're going to get this whole nation killed here. And I love them too much for you to lead them to destruction. So, so we, got, we, can't, we can't have that here. God, in his love for people, his love for humanity, will not allow people to be led towards destruction. He wants people to have a relationship with him, and he wants them to have life and peace. Why is God so harsh? Because he knows what's at stake. He can see the future that's ahead. And he wants not half-hearted worship, not for you to settle for that's just who I am, but he wants you to reach into the promises that he has for you. Which is why, which is why that manure pile that he said, I'm going to put that on your face. He didn't do it. Instead of putting it on the leaders, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. See, when we actually take a look at things, it's your sin, my sin, our manure. God says, I love you enough. I'm not going to put you through that. I'm not going to put you through the wrath of God. I'm going to put that, all of that on my son. He will take the manure in the face. He will take your sin. He will take your half-hearted worship. And he will pay the price for that because he loves you that much. I'm not going to send my leftovers to pay the price. I'm going to send my very best. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, not his leftovers, his very best, because he loves you and I. This is tough stuff to read, but in the whole view of the gospel, you see that God took it on. 
He's not calling you to take on all of that stuff. He just wants your worship. He says, I'll take on all of that stuff. You don't have to work for it. My son paid the price. He became sin on your behalf and my behalf so that we could have a relationship with him so you could be free to worship. But he wants your whole heart. He wants it all, not just half-hearted, not just the leftovers. He says this. He says in Malachi chapter 3, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. He's like, hey, I know what you've been bringing me, which was your leftovers. Why don't you just try giving me your best? See how that would go. You've been going this way, but give me your best and see what happens here so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, and you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. The only scripture where God says, put in the test, he says, bring me your all. Bring me your best. Put me to the test and see what happens. Do you realize how much joy there is when you give God your best? Do you realize how much peace there is when you give God your best? We go through our lives just settling in the comfort, and we struggle so much. But when you give your all to God, and you know you give your all, it's your heart. It's not giving more. It's giving your all. You know, and it feels so good. It feels so good. And he says, I will bless you so much when I have a heart that's going to give me their all. You might be saying, I haven't been doing this. <laughs> I haven't been giving my all. Is God bad at me? I don't, I don't know, but I know you got today. You got today to give your all. Tomorrow, you, have, you can wake up tomorrow and say, God, I'm going to give you my all today. I'm tired of giving you leftovers. You might be saying, I'm tired. I don't have that much to give. I don't, I don't have the tithe, 10%. I can't give God my tithe. I'm not asking you to give your tithe. If you can't give that, I'm saying, what can you give? There was a woman. Jesus saw she was giving her offering. She was a widow. She gave two small coins. And that day when Jesus was sitting there with his disciples, kind of teaching them a lesson, it says other people were giving large sums of money, large sums of money. And she gave in two copper coins, apparently virtually worthless. But in God's eyes, he looked at her and said, that woman gave more than anybody else here because it's not about the amount, it's about your heart when it comes to worship. Does he have your all when it comes to worship? How do I do this? How do I, how do I get, give God my all? Second Chronicles says this, then if, there's an if there, there's a condition here, not everything's unconditional. If my people who are called by my name, you wear the name of Christ, are you wearing it correctly? If you are called by my name, humble themselves. Seek his kingdom, not mine, his. Pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart as holy a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. You want to know where the temple is at today? Because we don't have a temple. We're not making sacrifices. God sent his very best, his son Jesus Christ, to die as the perfect sacrifice. He took on all of our sin and our shame. When you call on his name, takes up residence inside you. His spirit lives inside of you. You are his temple. You are the one that is to honor his, his name. 
And I, I just know for myself, like, I fall short. Okay, so we all fall short. God's not expecting perfection here. But he, he also can read your heart. You know, you know there might be an area where you're like, ah, I'm not giving it my all. But if he has a heart that will humble themselves, will seek him and pray and turn, he loves that. You don't have to be ashamed of that. You don't have to be, oh, he loves that. He will bless that. He will use that so much. Freedom Church, the message of today, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But he does not want you to settle for that's just who I am. He has so much more for you, so much more, beyond what you can see or imagine. If you would just get rid of this, humble yourselves, give it to him, and just let him go. Let him go and do his thing. Trust him, trust him today. With that in mind, let's lift our heads and let's pray together. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.